Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. There's no job that's greater than one or the other. Look, if God has placed you somewhere and he's called you and he's gifted you with the abilities to do that, that's the best thing ever. Just show up every day and serve him as unto him. We, we went through that in the book of Ephesians. Everything as unto the Lord, as unto the Lord. Here's John the Baptist. He's showing up, proclaiming this amazing message, getting the, heart, the hearts ready and the people ready for Jesus as unto the Lord and deflecting any praise. He was gonna get a lot of praise. There are a lot of motivators for why we do the things that we do in this life. Maybe the motivation for you is providing for your family, wanting to better yourself or make more money. In today's message, Pastor James will be sharing how John the Baptist worked. He worked as if it was for the Lord and no one else. Pastor James will encourage us that if we're giving the Lord everything that we have with what he's called us to do, then he'll be pleased. We steward what God has given us and he delivers the results. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Concerning John's diet, just an interesting little thing here. Locusts were, were okay to eat. So if he was eating the actual locusts, that's actually a clean animal that he could eat. And you'd be thinking like, oh, that's so gross. I've had grasshopper and I've had crickets. And I'm going to tell you, they're not that bad. You fry them up in peanut oil and they, they taste like peanuts. It's amazing. And you're like, they're so gross. Hey, if you haven't tried it, you remember your parents telling you this. You haven't tried it. You can't say anything. There, there is a tree that's, that's over there that um, the fruit that it would bear, they also call that locusts. So, and it tastes like, almost has like this chocolate kind of flavor to it. So either John had like a sweet tooth or he just liked eating locusts, the bugs. More likely, these were actually locusts that he was getting a hold of and, and just dip them in honey. And I mean, that's, that's, it's not a bad snack. I love honey too. But you can understand that this dude is just a wild man. I mean, he's, he's, he's wearing this camel garb. He's got this belt on. He's got his pouch full of locusts. He's got his other little jar of honey, and he's just dunking the locusts in there. And locust bits are flying all over the place. They're in his beard. And he's just yelling at people to repent for, because the Messiah is here. And more likely, a lot of people were just intimidated by the stature of this guy. And it's just like, this, this is a wild man. Like, I think I should probably just do what he says because he might hurt me, right? Like that may have been their idea, but they knew that this guy was, this guy was spirit-filled, just power, power. And, and we know that because his, his message was short and sweet and it was impactful. And we know it was impactful because people were responding to the message. And it's one thing to have a good message. And it's one thing to hear a good message, but it's a whole nother thing to respond to a message. And people were hearing John's message as the Holy Spirit had empowered him and has called him to this specific thing. And he was saying, repent, and people were repenting. And that's, that's where it's at. So when we hear messages and there's a call to action, we got to act upon the call. 
Because showing up to Bible studies and, and sermons and, and even doing your own personal Bible study, you know, it, it will only do you so good. It's good for you, but it will only take you so far. If you never apply, you're not going all the way. You're actually selling yourself short. And it's the, it probably is the worst thing for you. Because you'll get frustrated because you're wondering, like, well, why isn't my life changing? Why, isn't my, why am I not noticing, you know, differences here? And why don't I, I, don't, I don't feel stronger in my walk with the Lord? Well, are you applying what you're reading and studying? If the answer to that is no, well, there you go. We have to put it into practice. You have to, Christianity is all about, like I said, it's, it's participation, and it's practice and putting it into, and we use that word practice because none of us are ever going to get it right. It's called practice for a reason. So just keep practicing it. And then one day you'll stand before Jesus and then the perfection comes into play because he makes you perfect. But here on this earth, we're just practicing and we put it into practice. So we'd be wise hearing, even hearing this message from John concerning repenting because the Lord is, the Lord is on his way. It, it would be a wise thing for, us to take, for all of us to take that to heart, regardless of where you're at with the Lord, to take that to our heart and say, you know what, I think I should, man, spirit, search me, know me. Find it, if there's any way in me that is contrary to you, that shouldn't be there, will reveal that to me so that I can own it, so that I can repent of it. It doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you a person. If you understand that, because all of us, and we, we know from Romans, we have all sinned. We've all sinned. And we all have things that we're wrestling with and that we're struggling with and all that. The best idea is, is to heed the warning there and say, you know what, Lord, whatever's in me, man, I just pray that you would show it to me so that I can repent of it and turn away from that. And this is a daily habit that we get into because, well, I find myself really not having any problems with sinning daily, you know? So I got to keep going to them. So that's where John the Baptist is. Look at verse seven. This is our last little bit here. We're going to take our time going through the gospel of Mark. If you're thinking like, I'm not covering chapter one. So if you were thinking like, how in the world is he going to do this? Because I'm, we're going to take our time going through this thing, Okay. Verse 7 says, John announced, or he proclaims, someone is coming who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. Just so you understand, even back then within this culture, even slaves weren't required to take off their master's shoes. Masters would never ask that of their slaves whether it be within, you know, within the Roman culture of that day and in and, and even other, you know, groups, people groups that were living around this time, masters would never, now, unless you got a really evil one or a wicked one, but by and large, masters would never ask their slaves to take their shoes off of them. They would never ask their slaves to, to, un, to untie their sandals. But what John's saying here is like, even if he, he's like, I'm not even worthy to do that. He, he's painting a good picture, and he wants people to realize John has a great outlook concerning ministry. He says, this is not about me. I, I, I'm not even worthy of taking off this guy's sandals. 
This is all about him. He would go on to make this great, amazing proclamation. I must decrease so that he increases. That should be the heart of that should be the heart and philosophy of anybody who serves within within the church. What, what's, what's my motivation to serve in the church? To decrease, to disappear. For what? To no, so that Jesus shines brighter. You want motivation for ministry, that there's your motivation for ministry. If you're looking for a spotlight, you need to, you need to find something else to do. We need to find something else to do because there's plenty of that happening, you know, within our world today. True biblical ministry is, is kind of resonates with what John has said here. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And I, I've, I feel that way. Sometimes when I do some reflection of like, even people are asking, you know, how, you know, even from our VBS, I was talking to a couple and they're like, well, what, what seminary did you go to? I'm like, oh, I didn't go to seminary. Um, they're like, I went to Bible school. Does that count for anything? Probably not. But it's like, just even looking at my path of getting to here, I'm like, man, Lord, I'm not worthy to be here. I just, I'm not worthy to be here. And to, for this calling and all this stuff, like, yeah, Lord, I, I, I would agree with John in this. It's not like some false humility thing. It's just like, I would agree with John. Like, even if he asked me to take off his sandals, I'd be like, I think there's somebody more qualified to do that, Lord, honestly. <laughs> you might want to have somebody else because, but it, I, I really believe that just like with John, that that should be our heart. Yeah, you may not be worthy, but man, isn't it amazing that he called you to do it? You may not feel qualified, but isn't it amazing that he is the one who will qualify you for the calling? You may feel like, man, my life's a mess. I'm a wreck. Isn't it amazing that he turns beauty from ashes? Isn't it amazing that the people that he picks to serve within the ministry, he's not looking for professionals. He's just looking for willing vessels. And if we're that, he'll use us. He'll use you wherever you're at, wherever you're at. That's the beauty about church and ministry and all that stuff too, is like, what career are you part of? Are you in the medical industry? Well, then serve the Lord there. If you're doing something else somewhere else, look, we need more Christians in the community than we need in a building. And we're not all hanging out here all week long. That would be nonsense. That's a cult then. That's a weird thing. And I don't want any part of that. No, we live out there. And you work out there. So represent the Lord out there. He may have called you to be within this particular field of expertise and all that stuff. Then utilize that and use that for the glory of God. Be the best, fill in the blank that he has called you to be. There's no shame. There's no shame in any of it. That's the, that's the amazing part about it. It's like, there's no job that's greater than one or the other. Look, if God has placed you somewhere and he's called you and he's gifted you with the abilities to do that, that's the best thing ever. Just show up every day and serve him as unto him. We, we went through that in the book of Ephesians. Everything as unto the Lord, as unto the Lord. Here's John the Baptist. He's showing up, proclaiming this amazing message, getting the, heart, the hearts ready and the people ready for Jesus as unto the Lord and deflecting any praise. He was going to get a lot of praise. 
He was gonna, there was gonna be like a Messiah complex, not for John, but for the people. Like, are you the one? You're the one, right? Because you sound like you're the one. He's like, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. And we even know this about John later on in ministry when he gets close to towards the end of his life, when he's in jail, even he's sending guys out to Jesus saying like, hey, Jesus, are you the one? You're the one, right? This is from John the Baptist, the greatest man born to a woman. Jesus himself said that about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is sending some of his disciples to go find Jesus and say, hey, can you guys just confirm that he is the guy? So even he had his moments of doubt sitting in a prison cell. He's just a beautiful guy who's like, man, I I just, I'm here because God's placed me here. And I'm going to say what God tells me to say. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And I want to make sure that I am disappearing and that the, the spotlight belongs solely upon Jesus. And he even says here concerning this baptism, verse eight, he says, I baptize you with water or in water. So he's like fully immersing people probably there in the Jordan River. He says, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So here's John dunking people in the Jordan River. Um, actually, the, the last chance I got to go out to, to Israel, I got baptized in the Jordan River uh, by my pastor, Bill. We just had that moment where he knew I was, was going to be stepping out from, from Grace Church up there to, to move down here and to, to plant this church. And um, we're doing, he was doing his own de- morning devos. I was doing my own morning devos there at the Sea of Galilee, of all places. Um, and the Lord kind of spoke it to me like, hey, Jordan River, well, I've already been baptized before. So it's not like, you know, and in, in baptism is it really, it's, it's a public display kind of a thing. But the Lord's like, oh, yeah, when did you get baptized in the Jordan River? I'm like, sweet. And then Bill was right up there. And I went and talked to Bill. And he's like, I know. He's like, I already know. He's like, I'm going to baptize you in the Jordan River. And so we baptized some people from the church who were part of the, the tour and all that good stuff. And then we had that, just that moment, like there in the, ba- in the Jordan River. And I'm like, man, let's, let's do this. And that water was cold. And there were huge, huge fish swimming all around us. It's amazing. But uh, got baptized. And, you know, that was just, that was, that's my connection to this story in one sense, where it's like, I know what that feels like. Hopefully one day we can get out to, to, to Israel and do a tour and all that good stuff. And if that happens for you guys, that's sweet. You don't have to get baptized in Jordan River. It doesn't matter where you get baptized. I know for me, that was just one of those things that like, felt like, no, man, the Lord is, is kind of preparing me for, for what's next. And to have Bill there as part of that was an amazing thing. But John is saying, he's like, look, I'm baptizing you with water, but Jesus, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a whole confusion about this whole baptism of the Holy Spirit that a, we probably won't get too much into today. Because there's so many different opinions on what does it mean to be baptized into the Spirit, with the Spirit is probably wrong wording. Um, It actually should be baptized, uh, Spirit baptism is really how it should be worded. What does that mean? And when does that happen? Does it happen at salvation? What's accompanied with that? Is speaking in tongues accompanied with that? I can tell you this, not in all cases. Not in all cases. So if you're feeling like, well, I, I don't think I've been baptized into the Holy Spirit because I've never spoken in tongues. Well, that doesn't happen for everybody. I mean, you just got to read through the book of Acts. We just went through that. And not everybody was speaking in tongues when they were, when they got saved. 
Can, is tongue, tongues is a great gift. It's a great gift. It's not the best. I don't know why we elevate it, but it's not the best. All you got to do is read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14. And it tells you the greatest gift, let's, so concerning the list of gifts, is prophecy, as Paul would say. But even above that, love. Love. So if you're like, well, I don't know if I have the Holy Spirit dwelling in me. Well, I would ask you this. When you gave your life to Jesus, has anything changed concerning how you treat other people, how you view other people? Because I know for me, that was the deal. Because I didn't, when I gave my life to Jesus, I was all by myself in Colorado. I surrendered to Jesus. I didn't, I had no, there was no, you know, light show happening. There's no like, none of that. I wasn't speaking, I didn't speak in tongues, none of that. But here's what I noticed immediately. How I viewed other people changed. It just changed. And I didn't naturally go around just hating people, but I really didn't really, I just didn't care about people. I just didn't care about people. But this thing switched in me where I began just caring about people. And became, I became concerned about people. And not even, yes, for sure, their eternal destination and all that good stuff, where they're going to go once they die. Absolutely. That became heavy upon my heart because I cared about people. But even beyond that, just people and their daily lives and what they were going through. I mean, what once was not natural became supernatural. So love is a love is love is the best. Love is you know uh, you got faith, hope, and love, and of these of these three, love will remain. Love will remain. So there's there's things. So this whole baptism of the Holy Spirit's like if if maybe you gave your life to the Lord Jesus and the Spirit came upon you and you spoke in tongues. Okay, that's cool. That that happens. Church services when we do like some afterglows and stuff. If people have a they speak a tongue. That's fine as long as there's an interpretation. You know, this isn't like spooky stuff or anything. I mean, it's pretty simple when you just read through the Bible and you're like, yeah, people may have a gift, may have a tongue. Well, there should be somebody to interpret that tongue. Because if not, then we're all looking around at each other thinking, well, what'd they say? And the body's not edified because then the body's confused. Now, if you have like speak tongues in your prayer closet, that's between you and the Lord. Hey, go, I mean, knock yourself out. That's between you and him. That's awesome. Guys I look, to, look up to, they let me know. Like, yeah, I have spoken in tongues, and it usually happens in my prayer closet when I'm just praying between the Lord. I'm going to say, okay, that's sweet. I've never personally experienced that. I haven't. But there's other evidences of the Holy Spirit taking up occupancy within your heart. And I think love is, is the top one. There, there's a whole list that you can find through, again, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Service, that's another thing. I can tell you that you can do that, you can serve like that, probably because the Holy Spirit's done a work within your heart. There's just so much evidence that goes along with that. But this baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you get saved by, you know, when you give your life to Jesus, you are baptized into the body of Christ, okay? Jesus does that. So you're in, you're in the family. Then there's this thing about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's separate from being baptized, this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, we can be a little bit more, we have a little more clarity on that. But you and I, as believers, should be asking, Lord, I pray that today you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's a command, actually. 
That's a command. We even went through that in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter five. Don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a command. You and I should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's something that you and if you think it's a one and done thing, I don't agree with that philosophy. Because it's something that like I need to keep coming back to the fountain kind of a thing daily. Like, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill me today. I pray that you would fill me today. So baptize into the Holy Spirit, baptize in the Holy Spirit or spirit baptism. That's feel like that's, you know, for most guys, they believe that that's like being into the body of Christ. That's a one and done type thing. You're in the family. Then the field with the Holy Spirit is a continual thing. We'll go over this stuff more than likely like at a later date because some of this stuff's going to come back up. Okay. But there's your homework assignment. Study baptism of the Holy Spirit. Be careful what resources you read on that because there's some stuff that's really way out there. But it, it is something that if your Bible has cross references and if it has any cross references concerning that, if not, you can go online, go to blueletterbible.org and you can type in baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then there's a ton of resources where you can read up on that. You should be aware of some of these things. But just know there are a lot of experts out there and nobody has a clear answer on like, well, what exactly does this mean? And this guy says this and that guy says that. Here's what I know. I'm not worried about it. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm in the family. The Holy Spirit resides in me. And I know enough to say, Holy Spirit, I just need you to fill me today to an overflowing today. And I think that's how we should be. I think that's how we all should be. And not getting caught up on some of, the, some of these things here and there. But like, no, look, you know you need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. I know I need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. So that's part of putting it into practice. When you wake up in the morning and you roll out of bed, however that looks for you with all the groans and stuff, and maybe you got to have, maybe your spouse is there to push you out of the bed. I don't know what it's like, but when you hit the floor in whatever form or fashion, you know, you know, especially if they push you out of the bed, you, you better be asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Because you're like, oh, Lord, it's already started. No, you just want to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can be led by the Holy Spirit. And then you share what the words that the Holy Spirit wants you to say to, to whoever those people may be that he brings across your path for that day. Or whatever act or deed he wants you to do. You just want to be spirit led. Spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-empowered. Like, I'm just a vessel. I'm just a vessel. And my, I, I, you guys know, I, I have a thing with coffee, coffee cups. I love coffee cups, right? But they're no good if, there's, if they're just, like, sitting on a shelf. They don't do me any good. But they're made to hold really good stuff called coffee. But there's a purpose for those things, there's a purpose and a reason for those things. There's a purpose and a reason for you. You're here on this planet right now. There's no accident. No accident at all. But you exist right now for a reason. For a reason. We just got to figure out what that is. John the Baptist knew what it was. His was spelled out for him. But once he knew what that was, and so he went and he did it. You are here for a reason. Let's, if there's any question about what that is, well, then I would encourage you, because I'm going to wrap this up right now. If you're like, man, I don't know what my calling is. Well, then that's why you have a, brothers and sisters around you who can pray with you and say, well, let's ask the Lord. And then the Lord will reveal it to you. 
And then once he reveals it to you, then it's up to you to show up and to do that thing. Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're walking through the Gospel of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus' life while he was here on the earth. Mark offers unique perspectives on this time, emphasizing Jesus' servanthood to the people that he met. Jesus loved practically, often, and with everyone. What a kind and humble servant we get to serve. If you need to hear this message again or you'd like to catch up on previous teachings, visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab and feel free to explore the variety of verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter Bible teachings. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston. And if you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you come visit us. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Our Thursday night Bible study starts at 7 p.m., and you're welcome to come join us for both. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For more information, visit our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. You can get directions there as well. We're excited to meet you and spend some time worshiping with you. That's all the time that we have for today, but we're so glad that you listened in to hear from God's Word. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Mark and to gear up for what's ahead in this New Testament book. There's so much to learn, so much to know about Jesus. So make plans to join us again, right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.